What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com. It's an affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions, and you'll find all of our podcasts there. I'm still working to replace the podcast library that was lost when we transitioned from Rebel Sports Radio to SoundCloud. But I will have that done for you. But for the time being, just simply go to SoundCloud or iTunes and you'll find the latest edition of Talk of Champions, including this podcast, located there. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Seth Greenberg, at Seth on Hoops on Twitter. ESPN College Basketball Analyst, but the number one person in your heart and the co-host of this show is David Johnson. Hey, man. <laughs> you know, if if we ever did an outtakes version of the show, uh, it would probably break the listener record. Um, but thank goodness uh, there's always a pause button and an edit button. Right, Ben? Yeah, and a stop button and a start over button. I have a terrible mouth, and 
when I mess up, I don't take it well. And it just turns into a endless stream of expletives coming out of my mouth. It does. Ben speaks the truth there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a disaster. How you doing, man? I am doing good. Uh, man, just uh, stayed up a little too late last night, uh, finishing w- watching the college football national championship game. I know you did too. Um, I, I got to admit the final, I, I wasn't shocked Clemson won the game, Ben. I was shocked at the final score. I was too. That the just kind of field goal it. was the thing that really clicked oh. in my brain is, wow, this is not what I'm used to with Alabama and just bizarre, questionable calls under Nick Saban. How many times you come out of a game going, man, what, what the hell was Nick Saban doing? Having his field goal kicker lead block into that Clemson defensive line with his third string quarterback running on fourth and six. If you're going to go for it that early as they should have, why would you not just leave two in? And Clemson was playing a uh, field goal safe. It was just all around a very d- out of body experience departure for Alabama that you haven't seen in so long. I can't remember the last time Alabama was this bad. Yeah, they play in the Southeastern Conference, so you know Ole Miss fans get their their dose of, of Alabama. They they watch Alabama. They know what Alabama is all about, and you know it was shocking. I, I mean, again, the fake field goal last night. I mean, what a terrible, terrible play call. Uh, Georgia. Uh, it was it was reminiscent of what Georgia did in the SEC title game, right? Um, and then uh, you know Clemson was prepared for that. I mean, you could tell in the defensive alignment, yet they, they ran the play anyway. Uh, didn't want to use a timeout to, to try anything different. And I'm like, you, why don't you keep your quarterback on the field and just run a play and try to get it? Uh, it was sloppy. The whole Jalen Hurts thing, you know, they stuck him in there at the end to let him mop the game up. Uh, you know, you, you were kind of sitting there wondering, you know, would they go to him a little bit earlier with the offense struggling? They were just out of sync last night. And then, you know what, all of that aside, and I don't think I would, I wouldn't think I would ever say this, but Clemson looked like they had the more athletic and talented football team last night. And that's saying a mouthful when you're talking about Alabama. It's true. It's true. They did look that way, but offensively, I think it's true that they are more athletically and talent rich than even Alabama as crazy as that might sound because we thought going into this national championship game that Alabama this could have been one of their best teams ever like historically great team and yet Clemson completely ran roughshod over this team partly due or if not partly significantly due to how good of a prospect is for the NFL Trevor Lawrence is I mean all I can do is dream about Trevor Lawrence wearing a star on his head. I mean, I, I can't get it out of my brain that I want the Cowboys to miraculously somehow come out of this run in the playoffs with a Super Bowl win. Spoiler alert, not going to happen. But I would love for that to happen only for the Cowboys to be terrible and tank for two years because I want Trevor Lawrence to be their quarterback. That is the dream for me because he, outside of maybe Andrew Luck in terms of the quality of NFL prospect he is as a freshman in college. Unbelievable. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence, if there's ever been a quarterback prospect that's already this polished and this good already. And, and even more so, uh, Clemson's recruited at such a high level. But I, I, something stuck in my brain after the game was over. Dabo Sweeney, when he was doing his interview, says, if we can do it, anybody can do it. Well, there's one team that almost br- busted through what I call the Clemson ceiling. Clemson was historically an up-and-down program before it finally became a perennial power and won, I think it's now two championships in the last three years. But it was perennially a 
up and down roller coaster team, middling team, if you want to call it that, not among college football's elite. Favorite Ole Miss in some respects. Yes, in some respects. And then it goes on and wins double-digit games and starts recruiting at a level in which it was allowed to break through the ceiling. But the NCAA was looking into Clemson when it was in the middle of this breakthrough moment. But what happened? They won. They won a national championship. And then everything went away. When you get to the Clemson ceiling, you have to break through and you have to win big because if you don't, the NCAA and all the college football decision makers love winners. They love money makers. You have to become a money maker to be allowed uh, if you're not a perennial power, a traditional blue blood. You have to win big in your window because if you don't, they're going to try to put you back in your place. Clemson broke through one big, but who didn't? Who was close and fell short? Yeah, no doubt. It was Ole Miss. And, you know, in a lot of regards, I think Hugh Freeze always had one eye on Dabo Sweeney and that Clemson program and how they were doing it. Um, you know, he always spoke favorably of Dabo Sweeney. And and you're exactly right. Ole Miss bumped their head on the ceiling and ended up with a cracked vertebrae out of it, whereas Clemson broke on through to the other side. And, um, you know, they're But you, but you have to thread the needle. You have to thread the needle if you're, if you're there. If you're at the ceiling, you have to win it then. You have to. You have to become a moneymaker for the NCAA and its greedy um, DC Marvel villains sitting in the offices trying to make sure that college football is protected. And what that means is the traditional blue bloods like Alabama, Alabama they continue to make the money and no one else um, – is, is allowed a piece of that pie, a lot of piece of that success, but Clemson's done it. So Davo is correct. Anyone can do it, but you have to thread the needle. You have to be there. When you're there, you have to be able to break through right then and there. Cause if you don't, they're, they're going to crush you. And that's what happened to Ole Miss because Ole Miss was right there. If you look at it, one went away from going to the SEC championship game. Had they gone to the SEC championship game, they two, get a Florida team. Seasons, ben, two different yeah. seasons. They're one went away. But had they gone that one year, they would have gotten Florida and would have won and would have been in the playoff. And I contend that that year, Ole Miss was the best team in college football. There's not a team in which the way Ole Miss was playing at the end of the year when they went to the Sugar Bowl and just beat the ever-living crap out of Oklahoma State. I don't think there's any team you could have lined up against Ole Miss that year that I wouldn't have thought Ole Miss was going to win the game. Ole Miss was playing at such a high level, and all of the yeah. NFL talent across the board, Evan Ingram, Mike Hilton, Chad Kelly, Laquan Treadwell, Robert Kimdichie, Laramie Tunsil, all still in NFL rosters. Yeah. And even guys who aren't that were All-American, All-SEC caliber players like a Cody Pruitt, Ole Miss right then and there had its opportunity, had its open window, and wasn't able to bust through. I fully contend, had they done that, and had they gone to the playoff, and had they won a national championship, and that sounds so far-fetched considering where Ole Miss is now, but had they done it, there's no way the NCAA investigation ends where it did. Oh, no, because the last thing the NCAA and ESPN, and anytime you talk about what the NCAA wants, you got to talk about what ESPN wants, is a tarnished champion. They do not want that. And and you get to a level, and Clemson has reached it now, just like Alabama is, where they're untouchable as far as the NCAA, ESPN, modern era of college football is concerned. And and I think you're exactly right. I think those are really, really good points now you bring up trevor lawrence last night who is the 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 crowned prince of college football right now moving he's ahead. so good man i mean no doubt about it dean I, I garrett's mean, man crush a hundred a hundred man 
I, I like him, man. He looks like he could play in a Seattle grunge rock band. You know, he he's doing his own thing and he's doing it exceptionally well. What about just like Ross? a black mirror character to me? Well, yeah, I'm not sure what that means, but that's okay. Uh, Hey, what about Justin Ross, though? How did Alabama and Auburn let Justin Ross leave the state of Alabama? This kid's from Phoenix City, Alabama. Okay, he's going to be there catching Trevor Lawrence's passes as long as Trevor Lawrence is going to be at Clemson. And I'm telling you, man, this kid last night, you know, he reminded me of reminded me of DK Metcalf. He reminded me of DK Metcalf playing with 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 just great tools all the way around. He reminded I, me of Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I could see that too. I could see that too. And it's not just Justin Ross. What about T. Higgins? Higgins with a huge game last night for Clemson. Man, Clemson may may win this thing a couple more. They're gonna. They. I mean, it's not far fetched to say they're gonna win it as long as Trevor Lawrence is there, right? Well, I mean, this time next year, you're gonna get another Clemson Alabama matchup. That's the sad part of college football at this point everyone knows what the end result is going to be at this point it's alabama and clemson and it's going to come this time next year and you're gonna have trevor lawrence versus Tua tagliavoa in alabama once more but you're right when the game see everyone was excited the way the game started it's 21 to 16 there's so many points being scored just two heavyweights going back and forth fighting fine fine but it turned into 44 to 16 it's more of an indictment on what the NCAA has allowed to happen and that only a few teams are given the opportunity to become great powerhouse teams. That's it. And now these teams have gotten so big and so good, only two can play. And even then, if one has a little bit more success being the monster compared to the other team, I don't know if if national championship games and playoff games are going to be all that competitive. That's why you need to open up the field, if for no other reason than to at least put off the facade of parity and, and opportunity and maybe then though uh, the recruiting apparatus for every single program will get a little bit better and get a little bit more competitive and what i mean by recruiting apparatus i think goes without saying everyone's allowed to get a little bit more of the talent pool get a little bit more of the money coming in and that way you can balance it out and maybe then and only then with more opportunity will we get more competitive games i i'm not sure that 44 to 16 isn't something with Clemson when you like if a Georgia could do the same thing? Yeah, Alabama's a monster, but maybe Georgia had a little bit more recruiting success in this area. Maybe they landed a few more blue bloods and they go out and beat the ever living piss out of Alabama. I don't know. I just I don't know if if we're just going to see an attack on Titan as far as didn't different Titans getting a little bit better than the other one, and everyone else is just having to watch and, and take it. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. You know, the first quarter last night, you could kind of tell, you know, they were kind of feeling each other out a little bit. But then after that first quarter, Clemson dominated. Look, they outscored Alabama 17 to 3 in the second quarter, Ben. Nuts. And then 13 to nothing in the third quarter. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, it was all over with. And, you know, you would, you kind of expected, look, Alabama is Dabo Sweeney's alma mater. He wasn't out there trying to embarrass him. Uh, he wasn't trying to embarrass Nick Saban. That would never be a wise thing to do. Uh, he just ran the clock out in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, how many times did Alabama drive down the field? I think four times inside the Clemson red zone at one point and three times they were turned away. How does that happen to Alabama? How, I, how do I, they give up 10 first downs in 15 opportunities for Clemson? I mean, crazy. that's crazy. Ten first Absolutely downs and third down opportunities I'm speaking of. I mean, that's yeah. nuts. You never see that with Alabama. If they get you in third and 14, you don't convert on third and 14, and yet Trevor Lawrence is dropping a dime for a 50-yard touchdown. That just doesn't happen. 
Yeah, and what you saw last night, I mean, I was asked a question on the message board this morning, was Nick Saban outcoached? Well, hell yeah, he was. He was. He was absolutely yeah. outcoached. I mean, that that staff got his drawers coached off of it last night. But again, the thing I left that game with was Clemson was the more physical, more athletic football team. And, and we're comparing them against Alabama, and it was hands down. Clemson had – bigger, faster, stronger players than Alabama. What has Dabo Sweeney done over there under the veil of being an ACC team that uh, maybe we all haven't had our eyes on as much as we should have because, man, Clemson is, a, as you just said, a monster. Clemson got a couple extra power-ups compared to Alabama. It's the Titan that was able to grab a couple extra coins in a video game and beat the other one badly. It's, everyone else just got to – is the villagers having to sit around and watch, you know, because the Titans are fighting and the Titans are going for it and getting everybody. Everybody else, you're, you're chasing scraps. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Seth Greenberg. ESPN College Basketball Analyst at Seth on Hoops on Twitter. Ole Miss Basketball has a huge game coming up Wednesday against Auburn. It's a home game at 6 p.m. Central Time. The lower level is sold out for Wednesday's game. Auburn's ranked 10th in the country. Mezzanine tickets remain, so purchase yours before it's too late. But, yeah, it looks like it's setting up to be a pretty prime time, uh, top bill kind of game for Ole Miss basketball early in the year. Give David Johnson some props. I don't care that it was tongue-in-cheek. You said Ole Miss was an NCAA tournament team. Right now, trending that way, a lot of basketball left to play. Everything could fall out and fall apart. But, yeah, for, for right now, celebrate the way they started regardless of how they finish. Yeah, look, I, I, I love how Kermit is rallying the fan base um, on Twitter. I mean, he he is he's following these ticket sales for Wednesday night, and uh, man, he he wants everybody there. I mean, he just tweeted something out, you know, you know, less than an hour ago from you know while we're doing this podcast. Hey, let's finish off the mezzanine level. I'm blown away. I love how he phrases it with the old Miss spirit. How about that? I, I like that. He did that yesterday too. That's the thing, man. He's been trying to sell this program since he got here. Yeah. And yeah. I, as everyone has told him, if you've been around Ole Miss basketball any length of time, it takes Ole Miss fans a little while to get with you. But once they're with you, they stick. You got to win first. And once you do win, they come in droves. And Ole Miss is starting to do that. I think Auburn will be close to a sellout. It'll be tough only because it's a midweek game. And those are always lesser attended than weekend games. But if you split Ole Miss does against Auburn and Mississippi State this week, two top 10 teams, next week's home game will be absolutely flooded with Ole Miss fans. So I I still think there is a part where Ole Miss fans are waiting to see. But if you're one of those folks listening to this podcast and you have an opportunity to come to the game, you, you called for this. You asked for this when you're wanting Ole Miss to move on from Andy Kennedy because you believed Ole Miss had the potential to be an NCAA tournament team every single year. Well, now it's time to do your part. And that's kind of what Kermit Davis has been aiming to do. He's been attending every single function he possibly can, making every appearance on every national and local television and radio show that he possibly can, trying to generate interest, and yet he still hadn't gotten a sellout. If you can't sell out Auburn, I don't think that's an indictment on Ole Miss fans. I really don't. But if they continue to win and you get a Saturday home game against a quality opponent and you're still not selling it out, that is an indictment on Ole Miss fans. But Ole Miss fan, you've been calling for this. You've been warning this. Now it's your responsibility then that you've gotten what you wanted 
to show the support for that. That's my only comment on it. I think Ole Miss fans have been great in basketball all year. They put 7,000, over 7,000 actually, for the Florida Gulf Coast game December 29th. That used to never happen. That's an innocuous game after Christmas. No one shows up for that, and yet it was a tremendous crowd. But Auburn is a different animal, especially when you go on the road at Vanderbilt and win and start SEC play. And don't you believe if this Auburn game was set for 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon, it'd already be sold out? A hundred percent. It's a Wednesday night ball game. Uh, The students aren't back yet. I mean, that's another thing that that you've got to factor in there. Uh, I don't know if they're sold out by Wednesday night. I hope they do. But, man, what an electric atmosphere in Oxford for that. Um, And, you know, I watched the Vanderbilt game Saturday night. And I got to tell you, um, and this is – I'm not saying anything negative against Andy Kennedy, but I'm not sure Ole Miss would have gotten out of there without Kermit Davis at the helm with a, with a win Saturday night. Um, I, it just felt safer to me going down the stretch, if that makes any sense. And I'm, I'm shooting this out there from the peanut gallery, admittedly, but uh, I, ju- I just felt a little more confident with, with Kermit Davis at the helm Saturday night when, when they built that lead up and, uh, and they were able to hold on to it. I'm past the point of comparison. Uh, I, I just think it's pointless at this point. I, first of all, it wouldn't have been the same team with AK. Uh, true, it, it true. Significantly different. Um, I don't think Blake Henson's a part of this program if AK's the head coach. Not to say he wouldn't have pursued Blake Henson, but Ole Miss was one of the very first schools to get on top of Blake Henson, especially once he reclassified from 2019 to 2018. The comparisons aren't fair. Um, everyone loves the new guy, just as everyone loves the backup quarterback. And that's to be understood and, and acceptable. Just it's time to move past the comparison stuff. And that wasn't for you. It's more for the message boards and Twitter. It's every time Kermit Davis wins, well, see, it was time. It's not fair to either one of those dudes. Stop trying to compare Kermit Davis to what yeah, Andy but, would have done. Stop talking have, about Andy Davis. You're going to have those comparisons. When you've got a guy like Andy Kennedy who was here longer than a decade. It's been almost uh, a year and, since and, he resigned. Well, yeah, still, but I turn my TV on and he's he's commenting on Ole Miss basketball. So the comparisons are fair. They're fair. He was here long enough and uh, you know, this is first year post Andy Kennedy. You're gonna you're gonna draw those inevitable comparisons. But what my what I'm saying is is that for Kermit, what he's done is nothing short of impressive. And Seth Greenberg has totally been impressive agree. as well. And I think the number one thing that has helped him succeed in year one and get off to this good start, including a really nice, strong resume in the non-conference, is Devontae Shuler staying healthy. I don't think we are given enough credit to how well Devontae has played and how much he is playing, 30-plus minutes every single night with no backup. Franco Miller, when he was recruited, he's out for the year with a knee injury. He arrived at Ole Miss with a knee injury. It was a pre-existing injury. Had surgery, recovery didn't go well tweak after tweak every time he thought he was about to come back the latest being when he went through warm-ups against middle tennessee state in bridgestone arena came down in pre-game warm-ups and tweaked the knee again so he's out for the year but when he was recruited he was expected to come in and compete to start with Devontae Shuler. at worst Ole Miss expected him to be the primary backup to Devontae Shuler. the master stroke of Kermit Davis is moving Brian Tyree to the two. Everyone expected Brian to be the point guard. Brian would have been the point guard under Andy Kennedy in the way he ran his offense. The offense, as far as pace in Kermit Davis and Andy Kennedy systems are pretty much the same. If we're going to do the comparison stuff, I'll do all of the comparisons you want to do. Um, but the, the motion and um, 
the shot clock awareness, stuff like that was different under these two head coaches. Bree would have been the point guard. The master stroke was moving off the, off the ball to the two, cutting combo guard, even though he's a little undersized, it's opened him up and made him an all-league player. So Devontae has had to play every single minute except when he needs a breather. He comes out and Brian handles the ball. If Devontae goes down, Ole Miss's season could get off the rails real quickly. Same thing with Brian Tyree, but I think Devontae is the most irreplaceable player on the roster. And how good he's been, the emergence he's had in year two, has been critical in Ole Miss getting off to this start. And him being such a plus defender at the point with the way this SEC is set up, it's going to help you be competitive in every single game you play, even against the Auburns and the Mississippi States and the Tennessees. You're going to continue to be uh, competitive and make up for your lack of post defense because guys like Devontae Schuler, uh most especially can defend and can really guard his man. And I, I just think he needs to get the just due that he deserves for how well he's played all year. Man, Devontae Shuler's been, in my opinion, in my opinion, their overall team MVP. Yes, Brian Tyree is the all league player, he's been their lead scorer. Terrence Davis is the NBA prospect all-around game is off the charts. But Devontae, for the role that he plays and for the lack of bodies behind him, they couldn't replace him. Well, that's a great breakdown of everything. And uh, there's no doubt there's excitement. Uh, I mean, there should be. He's off to a great start, 11-2. and two. Uh, You know, and, and what an opportunity Wednesday night inside the pavilion. I, I mean, being – what is the reaction when the sun comes up Thursday morning if Ole Miss is able to knock off 10th-ranked Auburn? I, I mean, it's going to have to be uh, fantastical on the part of the Ole Miss fan base if that were to happen. It would be. It'd be nuts. It's a huge game. It's a huge game, and you got to protect home floor in this league. For every game you lose at home, you got to pick up one on the road, and it's really hard to win on the road in college basketball. It's hard to yeah. win on the road across all sports, but in college yeah. basketball even more so. And that amplifies what Ole Miss did Saturday night in Nashville, yeah. picking up that SEC mm-hmm. opener on the road uh, against uh, look a nine and three. Vandy was nine and three going into that ball game. That's a Not- good team, and they're a little bigger and more athletic than I thought they were. They can really shoot it too. Vanderbilt's going to be fine. They lost their best player, who's a lottery pick, pick, pick in Darius Garland. I mean, that's an NBA lottery pick who went down with a season-ending injury, and they have continued to play really well. So to go win at Vanderbilt, that's no easy task, regardless of the fact that they lost their best player. It, but winning that game means that Wednesday isn't the must-win it would have otherwise been had you lost. All right, let me just – I know you got to get to the guest, but let me roll this out there real quick. Ole Miss knocks off Auburn Wednesday night inside the pavilion to move to 12-2, and two, and then that, that – battle down in Starkville on Saturday. What's the intensity level of that? If you've got Ole Miss coming into that game, playing a nationally ranked Mississippi State team, and Ole Miss is 12-2, and two, and they've just knocked off the number 10 team in the nation, what, what kind of war is that going to be inside the hump? Oh, it's going to be nuts, and it's going to be contentious and angry. And, and, and it's going to be that way regardless of what regardless. happens Wednesday night, but that would just amp it up. Even more so. Bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even more so. I don't think Ole Miss can beat Mississippi State this year. I think Mississippi State's the second-best team in the SEC behind Tennessee. I think Tennessee is probably the second-best team in the country to Duke. But Ooh, they look good. They Seth look- Greenberg would know even more so about whether or not Tennessee is that caliber of team. But I think Mississippi State is second only to Tennessee in this league right now. Kentucky's has has its issues, um, but Ole Miss is good. Florida's been pretty bad. 
Um, uh, there, there are a lot of ways in which Ole Miss can get into the NCAA tournament, regression from certain teams, and Ole Miss playing its consistent brand of basketball. If the SEC is a six- or seven-bid league, Ole Miss is undoubtedly um, a top-seven team right now in the, in the SEC. So I think that they've positioned themselves well. It's about can you get one of these games? It doesn't matter if you win two. If it, it doesn't matter really if you go over this weekend this week as long as you've played a quality brand of basketball but if you can get one for sure get two oh my gosh oh gosh you, it gives you just so much wiggle room in the league you know to where if you do have inevitably that bad loss it's not going to sink you but Ole Miss needs quality wins needs tier one uh quadrant one wins and Auburn and Mississippi State most assuredly stand as quadrant one wins and critical wins in building your resume. But if you can get just one, even if it's Auburn at home, it's going to be hard. What it would mean for your postseason resume it goes without saying. And that's why when I mentioned before the conference league slate started that, hey, if Ole Miss can go 9-9 nine and, nine and nine in the SEC – and maybe get a win over Iowa State. That might be enough, but it's got to be the right nine. Well, that still stands true. You win one of Auburn or Mississippi State, doesn't matter if you have a bad loss that you're inevitably going to have. You still have got that one big win, and your non-com is so strong. No ugly losses there. Maybe Cincinnati Cincinnati a little bit, but being a neutral site and only losing by 14, I don't think it's going to be held against you. Um, I think Ole Miss will be well-positioned to make the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, it's very much in the discussion, and – Look, my friend, I know you said it tongue-in-cheek, but, hey, they're right there. They're right there in the conversation, and I'd be lying if I said that I thought that'd be the case, but they're there. They're right there. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. What better way to ring in the new year than with the best Tex-Mex in town? And if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food in a cantina at both locations, and with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican food around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch. Every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. That's my favorite. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. It's 2019, the new year. It's here. And what better way to start off the new year than with a new car, truck, or Jeep? They're loaded up with Jeep Wranglers, Grand Cherokees, and Cherokees all priced to move right now. So make sure you're taking advantage of this unique opportunity with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. But simply buying a new car is not the only service that Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram provides. If you're having some car trouble, if you need some advice, go visit them. Brian, Mason, ask for them. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you, and they're going to make sure that you're taken care of. Addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect care and attention to detail you can give them a call at 662-234-8000 that's 662-234-8000 or stop by and see them in person at 2201 east university avenue that's just past kroger alan samuels let's be friends it's seth greenberg espn college basketball analyst how you doing today seth any better i couldn't stand it 
there you go. It's a good time for Ole Miss basketball, 11-2 and two on the year. 1-0 coming off its win at Vanderbilt to open SEC play. Look, you, you've been a big fan of Kermit Davis for a while, but to see what he's done so quickly at Ole Miss, what are your thoughts about the job and just kind of how fast Ole Miss has gotten off to as far as its start under Kermit in year one? Well, I think the biggest thing when you when you take over a job is you've got to sell a vision on who we are and how we're going to win. And then you got to get guys to understand that they're your players. Uh, they might have been recruited by someone else, but they're your players. And <clears throat> Kermit has the ability to connect with people. And he has the ability to coach guys hard and yet earn their trust. And that's exactly what's happened. He's instilled his system. Uh, he's tweaked the system, obviously, to fit his personnel. He's got guys to buy into each other. Their shot selection has improved dramatically. Their trust has improved dramatically. Tyree, obviously, has elevated his game. Uh, and uh, it's not surprising because this is what the guy does. Now, it's going to get tougher in league players, no doubt about it. But, you know, to me, watching where they were, and I was there earlier in the year for the tip-off banquet, and watching where they are now after watching them on film, it's what Kermit does. He gets guys to understand how to play, to play the right way, to compete hard, and that's what they're doing. Ole Miss unofficially tipped off its season October 17th with its tip-off event. You were a part of that, a featured speaker. What were your thoughts about Ole Miss basketball then, and, and what kind of growth have you seen over the last couple of months? My initial thoughts, they had potential to have three really good perimeter players. You know, obviously, you know, Schuler and, uh, and Terrence and uh, TD and – and uh, Tyree, those three guys are experienced players. Now, they had to learn how to play differently because uh, they didn't play with a lot of offensive discipline. Uh, they didn't play with a real understanding of playing for each other and good shot, bad shot. They played and they, you know, they, play, they tried to play hard, but they didn't play winning basketball. So I thought if he could get those three guys to buy in and understand how to play to play to win, and then the two freshmen to me, and this is the magic of Kermit, and that he has the ability to evaluate up. You know, Henson and Buffin, those two guys are going to be really good players. And get them up to speed this quickly, uh, to me, has been really impressive. Uh, you know, they really get it. Uh, and they're playing for him, and they're, they're, they're staying within what they do, yet they're continuing to get better. The job he's done with Bruce Stevens to, to get him in – shape and to get him to really believe in in what it takes to be in shape and to how he can help this team has been impressive so uh it, it's it's really been i thought they had a chance because kermit is has that ability uh it's hard to get guys to change it's hard to get guys to buy in uh it's hard to get freshmen to play confidently and uh play through the tough times but he's done it when you look at the league as a whole and where Ole Miss is currently, it has a chance to build a postseason resume through league play and don't necessarily have to win 11, 12 games to do it. But the league was coming into the year thinking it's one of the strongest in college basketball. It hadn't been a down year, but it maybe is a little top-heavy as far as the uh, best teams in the league. What are your thoughts about the SEC and where Ole Miss can really make hay? What kind of resume does it need to build? Is there a certain win plateau that you think is uh, Ole Miss? the right teams. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all about beating the right teams and not losing to the wrong teams. I mean, it really is. Uh, you know, look, coming into the year, you know, who, who thought that Garland was going to go out and uh, season-ending injury for Vanderbilt? So we all thought Vanderbilt was going to be a little bit better. The confusing one has been Florida. I mean, I look at Florida, and, you know, they had a tough loss the other day at home. 
to South Carolina. You thought, obviously, Jalen Hudson and Kayvon Allen, you have veteran guards. They have a really good group of freshman guards coming in. You've got experienced front court guys. They've been inconsistent. That loss the other day was surprising because they'd started to play better. So you've got to make sure that you don't lose to the bottom of the league. You can't afford bad losses. Although this is a year there's going to be more options and more opportunities because the Pac-12 is so bad, they might only be a one-bid league. You know, the Mountain West is probably going to be at best a one-bid league unless someone opens up and, and, and beats someone. The a is not getting more than one team in the tournament. So there's going to be more opportunities for postseason play. And uh, I just think continuing to compete and having a short-term memory, uh, getting to the next play, because you are going to lose a tough game. And how, you know, you know, you can't be, oh, here we go again. It's league play. You've got to say, all right, let's learn from, let's move on next game, next play. And, um, you know, getting, you know, LSU, I don't know how many times they play LSU. I haven't looked at the schedule. You know, getting at least a split with LSU would be obviously an important thing because they're going to be in, the, in a similar situation. Uh, the Mississippi State series is going to be good because, you know, Mississippi State has got off to a great start. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, getting a split there would be, a, you know, a really, really good feather in their cap. Uh, you know, and, and then, you know, you got to find a way to beat the South Carolinas, even though South Carolina plays hard and they've got some physicality up front. So I don't like to put a number limit on it. They, they got off to a great start. They got a road win at, at Vanderbilt. That's a big-time win. Uh, but, you know, you've got to have some wins against the top three or four in the league. Uh, that's just the way it is. And they got a great opportunity against Auburn on Wednesday. What's the bids as far as in your mind right now for the SEC currently? Do you think it's a six-bid league at least? Yeah, I, think I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think it's at least a six-bid league. Yeah, I do. I really do. I think I can get seven. Because, uh, again, a lot of, there are some leagues that aren't going to get a bunch. Now, look, the ACC is going to get a bunch. And the, uh, the Big Ten is going to get a bunch. The Big 12, I think the most they can get is six. So, it's you know, that, the bottom of the, the ACC is not very good. You know, the very bottom of the of the Big Ten's a little deeper because Rutgers, you know, you got Rutgers and then, you know, you know, you know Penn State. So you eliminate those two and then it's kind of a log jam. So, uh, you know, I, I look at this Mississippi, Ole Miss team and I, I look at a team that they're going to be in every game. And the one thing you know, and you guys know from a short period of time of, of seeing Kermit, late games, coming out of timeouts, uh, special situations, underside. He's really good. So, I mean, like their chances to win close games, uh, I think are going to be really good because he, he really gets them to understand uh, his, his, his time and score and special situation uh, ability as a coach and seeing things and executing in those situations, he's really, really good at. I've always described Kermit as your coach's favorite coach. You hear it all the time in coaching circles how great Kermit Davis is, and he would always interview for jobs across the country while at Middle Tennessee State where he was for 16 seasons, and yet would seemingly finish second every single time except when he got to Ole Miss and interviewed and got the job. He was a leading candidate throughout. Why do you think it is that Kermit, it took so long for him, despite the work he did at Middle Tennessee, to get a a Power 5 job that he was looking for? I don't think it's it's sexy to hire a, a, a guy from Middle Tennessee. I mean, it sounds it sounds silly, but to me, it's really silly. I mean, you hire the best coach. Uh, you know, people want shiny and new. People want an assistant coach from you know Duke. Uh, people want uh, you know a guy that uh, maybe is uh, playing on TV more. Uh, that's a, a, more of a self promoter. You know, and you say he's a coach's coach. 
I guarantee you, here's the thing, and, and this is what I say all the time. Be a team other coaches don't want to play against. And Middle Tennessee and Kermit Davis's teams have always been a team that other coaches don't want to play against. Like my whole thing when I was at Virginia Tech, you know, I wanted to be a team that people looked at our schedule and said, oh, man, we got those dudes. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to come after our rear end. Yeah. Ker- Kermit Davis is one of those guys that if, you know, you got in, say, an exempt tournament and you saw all of a sudden Middle Tennessee got in there, you'd go, oh, goodness gracious, we got that G, the one, three, one. It rotates to a two, three. Those dudes are going to play hard. They're going to play with good spacing. They're going to be tough. They're going to be long. They're going to be athletic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I scratch my head all the time on, on people who get jobs. So, I mean, uh, it's an interesting thing. All I know is that Ole Miss has got one of their own, and I, I don't care about the Mississippi State thing. He's one of their own. He, he's a Mississippi dude that can coach, that's excited to be back in his home state, uh, that connects with people, that uh, connects with players, that can evaluate players, that can coach and teach and has a relentless energy and is so excited about the opportunity. Uh, it's just a perfect fit. Ole Miss is such a difficult job just in general, considering all the things it deals with, the, with this lack of history from a basketball perspective. And yet Kermit comes in with the roster that's pretty decimated, but does have three league guards that are all league caliber players and also is recruiting at such a high level. Does that kind of speak to what you're, what you're saying here that, I mean, look, this job historically has not been great, and yet Kermit has a unique perspective as far as how to attack it. Yeah, well, he's got likability. He's been doing this thing a long time. He's got a really good network. Uh, He doesn't have enemies, so people are willing to help him, uh, which is really important. He can evaluate, uh, and that's as big a part of recruiting as anything. It's the most underappreciated part of recruiting is evaluation. Not where a guy is, where he's going. Uh, seeing the best version of someone. Uh, and look, you know, the pavilion's uh, a good facility. You guys are starting to put people in the building, which is really important. Uh, you know, I think they've got to kind of, it's the, the practice facility's okay. They've got to refurbish some things and, and make it nicer. Uh, the pavilion's okay. They've got to redo that locker room. There's a cost of doing business. I always say your investment's got to equal your expectation. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss hired a, a great coach. Now they've got to continue to give him the resources. And if they do that, Ole Miss is going to be as good as, you know, they're going to be a top third finisher in the, in the SEC and an NCAA tournament team each and every year. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and Andy did a good job. I mean, uh, but, but, you know, sometimes it runs its course. I went through that at Virginia Tech a little bit, but they, they got the right guy for the right job. And uh, if they give him, continue to give him the resources and the community and the, the alumni support him, uh, something special is going to happen. When you watch Ole Miss right now, do you see an NCAA tournament team? The way they're playing right now, I, with, with their spacing, uh, with their shot making, uh, with their versatility in their backcourt with the three guards, uh, continued development with those two young freshmen. Uh, in this year especially, uh, I think they're an NCAA tournament team, but I mean, it's such a long way to go. They haven't had the bad loss. They had just had a really, really good win. Uh which I thought was very, very important on the road to start league play to give you mo- some momentum. Uh, but it's hard to win, man. I mean, like, hey, they, they're off to this tremendous start. I think that they haven't lost uh, in the month of December and obviously into January. The biggest thing is when they get punched in the nose, next play, next game, uh, short-term memory. Uh, you know, I think that's a really, really important. Learn from it and move on. But right now, 
in this moment in time today, right now where we are, they're an NCAA tournament team. Well, last question, I'll let you go. When you look at the SEC, is Tennessee far and away the number one team for you? Mississippi State having a hell of a year. And, of course, uh, you, you factor in, this. I think, six, seven teams in the top 40 in Ken Palm right now. Who's number one for you? Is it Tennessee? Yeah, it's Tennessee. I think Tennessee might be the best team in the country. I mean, like, you yeah. know, it's funny. I was just talking to someone uh, a short while ago. I mean, Tennessee matches up great with Duke. I mean, like, you think Grant Williams is backing down to Zion Williamson? I don't think so. They don't turn the ball over. So, like, you, to, to beat Duke, you can't turn it over. You got to rebound on the defensive end. You got to take them out of transition. Uh, those are things that Tennessee does well. Uh, you think Admiral Schofield's going to back down to R.J. Barrett? I don't think so. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I think that Tennessee is, is, is really playing at a high level, and it's a great example. You know, Tennessee and Auburn are good examples for Ole Miss because, like, no one recruited Grant Williams. Wasn't a high major recruit. You know, Admiral Schofield was recruited a little hard. Jordan Bone, under the radar guys. Jared Harper didn't get recruited by Georgia. Uh, you know, Bryce Brad didn't get recruited by Georgia. So, I mean, like, a bit, I, I always say it. Part, a big part of recruiting is evaluation. And when you have veteran coaches that understand it and have networks and can evaluate, you can build championship-level programs. That's what's happened at Tennessee. Bruce has done a good job, and obviously that's what Kerbett's working towards doing. And I'll tell you one thing, that freshman class, I know he's got one guy sitting out with, <clears throat> due to injury, but that freshman class is a great, is a, is a great starting point in terms of moving forward. He's Seth Greenberg at Seth on Hoops on Twitter, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Thanks so much for doing this this morning, my friend. I appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662 638 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. That was Seth Greenberg, college basketball ESPN analyst, and now David coming back in on Talk of Champions. Some technical difficulties, so David joins us via phone. Can't wrap this show without talking about Jerry Ely. He just decommitted from Ole Miss. David, what's going on? Yeah, Jerry Ely announces via Twitter while we're recording this podcast on a uh, Tuesday morning that uh, he has opened his recruitment back up. Uh, you know, how much of that has to do with how impressive Plunson was in the national title game? Probably not a whole lot. Uh, you know, I think this has been brewing for quite some time. There have been those that, you know, have held out hope that Ole Miss was still in a strong position. But look, I, I mean, you know, back before the holidays, Jerry Ely picked up the phone and, and, and really expressed his desire to the Ole Miss coaching staff to kind of open up his recruitment again. 
uh, prior to a visit out at Clemson, the Ole Miss coaching staff kind of talked him off the ledge, so to speak, and he didn't do it then. But, uh, you know, it's go time now. It's January 8th. The dead period is about to be over. Time for some official visits to happen. Uh, you know, will he come into Ole Miss on his official now? I, it's, it, this has happened so recently, I don't have the answer to that you know, while we're talking about it on the podcast. But I'll be honest with you, you know, if you're going to go to a school, you're not going to, you're not going to decommit a month before national signing day, less than a month before national signing day. Thank them for everything and reopen your recruitment. I think Jerry Ely's gone. Uh, I think this was a difficult decision for him to make. And I think it's something that's been on his mind and on his heart for a long time. And uh, now I think it's going to be a, you know, a, a fight, and it pains me to say this, over the next three weeks between Clemson and Mississippi State for Jerry Ely, who, by the way, said he is going to sign a national letter of intent on February 6th. But is it a futile effort for any school that's recruiting him? We've been talking about this Probably. for months now. He's going to go play baseball. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's the likely scenario. The Major League Baseball first-year players draft is in June. Uh, right now, MajorLeagueBaseball.com has him as the number 18 overall prospect in that draft, certainly a first-rounder. Uh, there's going to be a lot of money put on the table for him from the baseball world. And, um, you know, nobody's going to know, regardless of where he signs on February 6th, you know, if he's, if he's going to be playing football this fall or if he's going to be in somebody's farm system. Um, and that's always been the caveat with Jerry on Ely. Uh, for Ole Miss, it's been nice having him in their commitment class for uh, longer than a year now. Um, certainly has uh, helped their, their team recruiting rankings if you're into stuff like that. By the way, his decommitment dropped Ole Miss two spots. They now have the number 25 class in the nation. But uh, an interesting um, uh, development, to say the least. Uh, not one that that it shouldn't come to anybody as as, as a, a big surprise. Uh, again, I mean, I think this is this wall's been in the air for better than a month now. Uh, and uh, today, the day after uh, Clemson wins their national championship, he decides to go ahead and make it public. And uh, now Ole Miss needs to find a a running back to add to this class over the next couple of weeks. I, I think they desperately need to find that running back. All Jerry and Ely was for Ole Miss was a rankings prop. Let's be honest. It, uh, that, 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 that's it. That's it. it. So now, who's their running back? Who are they going to go after? Who do they get? Likely Amante Spivey, the uh, the kid from Alabama who's currently committed to Arkansas. Things have been heating up there. He's set to come in on an official visit to Ole Miss on the weekend of January 25th, and I think they're going to go all in on that kid right right there and try to flip him from the Arkansas Razorbacks. Is he the only one? No, I don't think he, he will be the only one. I think that, you know, now they're they're going to go out and, and they've been kicking the tires on running backs. But uh, I don't think he'll be the only name you'll hear from here on out. But when the situation was Ely is still in this class, he was kind of the one guy who had kind of bubbled up uh, as, as, as another possibility. And uh, he's got the visit set. He's, He's, he's going to come in. And I think Ole Miss can flip him from Arkansas if he has a good visit on this final weekend of January. But, no, I would expect to hear other names start to pop up. Now, the problem is 70 75% of your prospect pool for this 19 class are already off the board. They signed during the early signing period. So, obviously, the uh, the pool is, is, is a lot uh, more shallow right now in terms of what's left out there from legitimate running back prospects. 
does it kind of bring into focus the inability to swing Eric Gray now that Jerry Neely is officially out of the class? Well, it's certainly uh, it's you'd certainly feel better about things that Eric Gray uh, been executed here to Ole Miss. I, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they're they're similar in some regards. I don't think Eric Gray is the running back prospect that Jerry Ely is. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, if you had Eric Gray in this class, you would certainly feel better about it. There's no doubt about it. But look, Gray's recruitment's a little bit deeper than than than, than Ole Miss just losing out on him to Tennessee. Um, you know, and 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 we'll just kind of leave things at that. But uh, bottom line is they didn't get Eric Gray. Uh, he was a guy they wanted. And now Jerry on Ely as, and honestly, you and I have kind of been saying this is going to happen for quite some time on this podcast. And he's, you know, it didn't matter if he stayed in this class or not, probably would never play it down football, little miss, but it's official now on, on Tuesday, January 8th, Jerry on Ely is no longer an Ole Miss commit. How good is Spivey? Well, he's not Jerry on Ely. I mean, let's remember less than a week ago, we were celebrating what Jerry on Ely was doing in, uh, in the Under Armour All-American game where he won MVP honors and was hands down uh, the standout in that game. Um, you know, so, you know, there's, there's no way in the world we need to now start talking about, uh, you know, Spivey being as good as Jerry on Ely. That's just not true. That is not the case. I, I mean, losing Ely hurts, but again, it only hurts if you bought into, uh, you know, to the hype that he was going to walk away from millions of dollars in Major League Baseball to come to Oxford, Mississippi, and play football. But as far as Amante Spivey goes, uh, you know, look, he's six foot, two hundred eight pounds. He's a bigger back than what Ely is. He doesn't have the moves Ely does. He's a three-star prospect. He's out of Phoenix City, Alabama, out of the Central High School program. There, two four seven Sports has him rated as number forty-eight running back prospect in the nation. If you're into those kind of things, honestly, really and truly, if you want to know how good a prospect is, look look at who's off. I, I mean, that's a that's a better indicator than how many stars are by their name and where they're stacked up in terms of the running backs across the country. Uh, as I mentioned, he's committed to Arkansas. Ole Miss is right there. They've been beaten on his front door for a couple of months now. LSU offered him at one time. Not sure he was taking LSU, but they did offer him. Missouri had, had put their name in the hat for him there. And then a host of mid-majors. But uh, you know, six foot, 208 pounds, you know, he's, he's a guy that, um, that, that could come in and possibly, you know, make, some, make a rotational difference early in his career. Uh, first things first, though, you got to get him to flip from uh, Chad Morris in Arkansas. I will say before we get out of here, Jerry Ely never expected him to end up at Ole Miss, always Major League Baseball after he decommitted. But now that it's done, it again draws attention to the inability in 2019 and historically good Mississippi class for Ole Miss oh to God. get it done. Yeah, Ben, that's, a, that's an excellent point. There's no denying that. I mean, there is no denying that now. I mean, when when you look at, uh, and I'm pulling everything up right here, so I can speak intelligently about about what we're what we're what we're talking about here. Excellent points you bring up. I mean, now uh, when you want to talk about players inside the top ten in the state of Mississippi for this 2019 class, Ole Miss got exactly one of them, Dennis Jackson. Now Charles Moore decommitted from Mississippi State. He's going to Auburn. 
he's going to Auburn. He's the number eight player in the state, but right now he's uncommitted. And then Ely, who just decommitted, is not coming back into this class. So you're talking about one out of the top ten. Uh, Jonathan Mingo's right there at number 11, but that gives you three out of the top 20 when you want to talk about DeAndre Prince. Four, if Jamon Gordon does what I think he does, is going to do, and that's uh, signed with Ole Miss in February. So four out of the top 20 in a historically good Mississippi class that, that you're going to have maybe once every 15 years that, it, that, that class is going to be that deep. Uh, I mean, four out of 20. Four out of 20 of the top players in the state. Now, there are a number of Ole Miss players, the Ole Miss signees from the state of Mississippi. Don't get me wrong, but they're all in that 20 on down range as far as the rankings go. So, you know, where you really hurt yourself, you got your taste of Mississippi in this 2019 cycle, but inside the top 20, you did not. I mean, other schools coming into this, I mean, obviously Mississippi State got their share, but Georgia, they come in and get you know, do damage in the top 20. Alabama, Auburn, uh, Arkansas, LSU. I mean, so the SEC West, uh, you know, they camped out in Mississippi and um, and did quite well. It's failure. That's what it is. And that's why I say coordinator hires are awesome. They're great. Um, Matt Luke should be commended for landing Richrod and Mike McIntyre. Hell of a hire, both in – in both respects, defense coordinator and offensive coordinator. But, but at the end of the day, those momentum builders are fleeting and temporary. Recruiting and on-the-field results are where you are ultimately judged and still lacking in both areas. And this is the latest example. Now, Jerry on Ely, you have to add the caveat. He was never going to make it to campus. I mean, there's a chance, but again, it's going to be hard for him to turn down Major League Baseball money. Even still, um, when you look at the end result, and the Mississippi made mantra and all that stuff that Matt Luke has kind of built his entire program around. When you have this 2019 class and don't get it done, just as much as you give credit for the coordinator hires, you have to give a, la- a credit or lack thereof of not being able to make hay in Mississippi. I mean, this is just not acceptable. Can't happen. Uh, no, this, the, the sore thumb on, on the hand here is one out of the state's top 10 prospects and what you classified correctly as being a historically good year inside the state of Mississippi. And, um, you know, that's tough. That's tough when you bat a hundred as far as the top 10 prospects in the state go. I mean, that's tough. And only two out of the top 15, two out of the top 15. And this was a year Mississippi had 16 four-star prospects. You got two of them, Ugh. two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Now, that is no way an indictment on the three-star guys in this class, like DeAndre Prince and Ashani Sistrunk and all those guys who, who are, you know, have an opportunity to to make their own impacts at Ole Miss. But you know, when you're looking at the top end of the state of Mississippi's class this year, and again, Jerryon Ely is kind of a, you know, he was kind of fool's gold. All right, I, I mean, probably weren't going to get it, get him even if he signed with Ole Miss in February. Um, you're definitely not going to get him now. I mean, you kind of know that Clemson and Mississippi State uh, are going to end up being the two finalists for him. And that stings. You know, that stings. Okay, you can probably rationalize in your mind Clemson. Uh, I mean, Clemson's the hottest thing in college football right now. But when you've got a kid that has long been committed to you, 
and, and, and it's not you over the last three weeks of his recruitment that he's pondering, but it's your in-state rival, that, that one stings. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. This is Talk of Champions. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. It's an affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. You can subscribe there. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good, Ben. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.